Hello, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. It is your host, Nick Sararis, and we are here to talk about the very, very exciting Minnesota Wild. One of my really good friends, Mackenzie. Gonna peel back the onion, go into all those layers, understand what makes the Wild tick, who and what helped them make the leap from an average team that was always kind of on the fence of being a playoff team, to a team that was pretty serious this year, a team that gave, you know, a serious Stanley Cup contender like the Vegas Golden Knights a hard time during the regular season. And just what it's like to finally have someone like a Kirill Kaprizov who's genuinely exciting to watch, someone who can take over a game at any given time they're on the ice. And what kind of advantage that gives you as a team that might not be as talented as some other teams. So really good conversation with Mackenzie about the Wild, but before I get there, got to remind everyone, please help grow the show. No matter what platform you are listening on, if you are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or SoundCloud, please follow the show. If you are on Apple Podcasts, you have an added responsibility. On Apple Podcasts, if you go to the show's page, you scroll down to the bottom, there are going to be five clear purple stars. You hit the one furthest to the right. That's leaving a five-star review. Beneath that is a purple button that says, write a review. If you have the time, please leave a few words. Would mean a lot. Content creators appreciate feedback. I always say it, and it's always going to be true. We work really hard on what we do. Anything you can do to help support the cause is appreciated. I will see you guys in one second with Mackenzie. They win the draw. That'll do it. Marsh is so up and ready. He's out. Steel Greenway goes to work for the Wild. Centered one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Minnesota wins game one in overtime. And with that, as promised, to talk about the Wild, it is my resident expert on all things Minnesota. How are we doing, Kenzie? You know, we are doing good. I feel like I'm still riding the high of the Wild win against Vegas. So I'm feeling like jazzed, ready to talk about the wild. I know when we were originally going to do this a couple of weeks ago, they kind of run into that little bit of a lull where it kind of seemed like maybe they, they had used up all of their magic dust, magic fairy dust a little bit earlier in the season. And they were kind of in a lull, but they kind of got it together down the stretch. That game one was extremely entertaining Uh, as a neutral. It was very fun to watch. I, like up and down hockey like that that game was very up and down open-ended both teams had a lot of scoring chances and both goalies played very very well so i it was fun for me it probably was hell for you um yeah it was stressful like feel like i was wearing a hole in the chair like right at the (laughs) end you know um i was it was definitely um i was watching it with my best friend and my dad and yeah we were all a little on edge for sure lots of yelling um lots of jumping out of the chair you know and being like yo what's going on here um but yeah it it was it was stressful for sure so this begs the natural question so the wild have always been decent 
they've made the playoffs pretty consistently. They've always ended up running into the buzzsaw for whatever reason, whether it was running into Detroit when Detroit was at the end of their prime, whether it was running into the Blackhawks, running into the later in Nashville, Winnipeg, the teams with greater aspirations that have more resources, that kind of thing. This wild team feels a little bit different. And obviously the most prescient reason is Kirill Kaprizov's existence, but is there anything aside from Kaprizov that's standing out about the team this year that's kind of, I don't want to say it's elevated them to a higher status because they are still, after all, kind of considered the third best team in that division, but what's different about the Wild this year? Um, well, obviously we have a new coach, um, yes. which he's, I, I'm enjoying what he's been doing with the team, um, so I don't have any complaints yet. Um, we'll see how the season ends and see if that my mind changes after that. But um, I definitely think we have some dynamic players that are like really upping the like upping the game for the wild. Um, players that we've had that are really stepping up this season, um, like Kevin Fiala, Joel Erickson Eck, I mean, Matt Dumba, that line, Jordan Greenway, um, who else yeah. Jonas Brodeen, their line has been phenomenal all season. They've and you know I think that has changed like that dynamic um, has really changed the team this year. No, because you you can definitely tell because like you said a lot of these guys have been here. Kevin Fiala's been with the Wild for I think three. This is his third year. Eric Sinek mm-hmm. has been there for a few years now, and a lot of what the drop down people who only occasionally think about the Wild they're thinking Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi. Felino, the guys who have been there forever, and they made some interesting moves. They went out and they got Fiala. They drafted Kaprizov a number of years ago, finally bring him over. And like you said, it's really opened up their ability to make their teammates better. I, from the analytics, the nerd side of this, the wild numbers aren't great. They give up a ton of scoring chances, but they also create a lot of good scoring chances so the wild make a conscious effort to make better scoring chances as opposed to a lot of them and it's why their offense isn't as surprising to me as it might be to some casual observers or people who aren't as in tune with it but Kaprizov has been a revelation I feel like that might be underselling it because yes he's older he has a lot of KHL experience it's he's not a true rookie in that sense but he looks locked in, and he's made his line better. I mean, pl- putting a player like him with Matt Zuccarello is amazing to watch because all Zuccarello wants to do is set people up for scoring chances, and Kirill just wants to shoot. So if you give him the puck, he's going to rip it. No, you're so right. Yeah. Um, Kaprizov is – it's weird saying Kaprizov. I never call him that. Um, Kaprizov <laughs> is <laughs> – he's – he's created such an insane energy i think because whenever he goes on the ice it's like everyone is waiting like what's he gonna do this time and i've talked about this at length and so if anyone has ever gotten into a hockey conversation they've already heard me talk about this but he has an insane ability to just know where people are on the ice um like you don't even see him move his head and the puck is like behind him to some guy and they're like he's skating forward it's opening up an opportunity for a goal like he like is unbelievable at just knowing where his teammates are when they're on the ice and I think that sets him obviously sets him apart from everyone else yeah no definitely that's one of those 
abilities, traits, whatever you want to call them, that really separates the good from the great players where they don't even need to move their head. Like you said, they don't need to look. They just kind of, they have that sixth sense really where they know where other people are going to be. And for him, it's getting into dangerous parts of the ice to get those good scoring chances. It's okay. There's three guys in front of me. I need to be able to bob and weave around them until either someone gets here so I can pass to them, or I need to get the puck to a dangerous area. And this is a departure from what we thought of. I know, I think it was Patrick Sharp who jokingly said during the intermission the other day, wow, the Wild are exciting now. This is weird. And if, I mean, that's kind of unfair to some degree. They're a team that's limited in what they can do and who they can go out and get. But it's true. For a lot of the last 10 years, the Wild have just kind of been there. They've had some pretty good teams. They've run into the Buzzsaw Blackhawks or Nashville, Winnipeg, what have you. But they are a genuinely exciting team to watch, not only because of the players, but the way they play is it's so up and down, especially against Vegas, who is willing to trade chances with them. And it's entertaining hockey. It might not be the most successful path to winning hockey games, but it worked enough for them this year. And at the very least, you're having fun while you're getting an anxiety attack. Yeah. Uh, no, that yeah, puts it pretty, pretty good. Like having the anxiety, but being able, I, I think, yeah, you have, you make a good point saying that it's not that they've not been fun in the past. Um, it's just, they're a little inconsistent and that's, I mean, I feel like if you're a Minnesota sports fan, that's the term you use every time you talk about any team. So inconsistent, but yeah, this season, it's been exhilarating for sure um, to watch them play. So you opened it up broadly there to the Minnesota dynamic. So I know that when we think of hockey in the United States, we typically think of the Massachusetts, New England area, Minnesota, and now there's kind of that hotbed that's coming up in the Southwest and that Arizona region. You're getting individual players from North Dakota, South Dakota, the the breadbasket of America, but it's very weird to think that what basically was the area for American hockey players forever didn't have an NHL team for a while because the North Stars went to Dallas. And talk to me a little bit about where the Wild are in the pecking order, because hockey is obviously very important to Minnesota in its identity, but the Wild kind of feel like second or third in the pecking order. I could, I, from an outsider perspective, it really does seem like the Vikings kind of are the most important team in Minnesota, but maybe I'm wrong. Talk to me a little bit about it. No, no, no you're so right. Um, the Vikings, obviously, I feel like there's a religion involved in being a Vikings fan. And um, I think they generate so much talk in the sports world as a team. And so I think that obviously, I think, comes first for most people that live in Minnesota and are Minnesota sports fans. Um, but the people that are into hockey are really, really dedicated to the wild. Like, Mm -hmm. some crazy dedication to the sport um, here. So yeah, you're totally right to say that the Vikings come first. Um, honestly, I would probably put the Wild second over the Twins, but that's just because the Twins are um, disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I don't even talk about the Timberwolves when I talk about Minnesota sports. So like, because I just don't even want to acknowledge what goes on there. Um, that's so, fair. Yeah. I, I would put I would put the wild number two, at least in my eyes. 
so that also lends the question of where does the college hockey and the high school and because those are legitimate like big things like every single year when the minnesota high school hockey playoffs roll around i wait for the video of the kids with the crazy hair i always you always see minnesota's college hockey team making it to the elimination part of the college hockey playoffs you see minnesota duluth putting guys into the nhl there's clearly a lot of hockey here and it's obviously an important part of the culture. And yes, it helps that Minnesota is cold a lot longer parts of the year. So, you know, you can actually play out high hockey outside. It's not quite Canada, but like I jokingly say, it's basically Canada. What do, do the wild mean in relation to all of that? Because you, like I said, you have the strong undercurrent of high school hockey there. You have the pretty good college hockey teams that put guys into the NHL consistently. Um. I mean, I think I, hockey is so like essential in for young people, I think, especially if you're playing uh, like high school hockey. Um, and it is fun to be a part of, like go to high school hockey games when you're in high school, when you're out of high school, if you know high schoolers, I guess. Um, and you're right with the state tournaments are always exciting. Um, and there's so much dedication there. Um, and I think, if you make it out of high school hockey and end up playing at the college level, you have a dream of being a, being a member of the wild. Like there's always like an aspiration for uh, like for young players in, especially in the college level to one day get drafted. And obviously it happens a lot. Um, <laughs> and so I think it, it's important. I, every player wants to play for their home team, you know? Yeah. So it, I think there's a lot of like, they look up to that team as kind of like, I hope one day I could be there. Yeah, no, because it definitely comes across. It's not every single state that, you know, can sell out a hockey arena for high school hockey like the Minnesota State Playoff Hockey Tournament does for high school. That's that's a really striking visual. And like I said, they, you always have the video of the players with the best hair going into the tournament that always, always does well on social media. So circling back around to the wild in the present, one of the faces that I, coming into the season, I didn't really know what to make of their goaltending situation. I figured the Wild, they're always pretty good defensively because they've got good players. you got Spurgeon, Dumba. Ryan Suter's kind of up there now. You, but, I mean, I'm looking at my notes here. Jonas Brodin is a little bit older now. And I didn't know what to make of them solely based on the goaltending. And Cam Talbot has had a very interesting NHL career. He, you have him start out with the Rangers as a backup, gets a pretty good run of it when Lundqvist has that neck injury. They trade him to Edmonton. He kind of gets fed to the Wolves in Edmonton, doesn't really do a terrific job there, but it's not really entirely his fault because that team was so bad defensively. And I don't want to say he's found a home in Minnesota, but... Minnesota has put him in a position where he doesn't have to do everything and he's been good enough. They've gotten decent goaltending out of him and Capo Kapanen. And that really did make a difference at points this season where, yeah, Cam Talbot actually stole them a couple of games here and there during the season. Yeah. Um, I enjoy Cam Talbot as our goalie. I think um, coming away from, how do I put this nicely? Uh, the monstrosity of Devin Dubnik, um, that's his name, right? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, I, I think he he fits. And as someone who um, diligently watched him play with the Rangers, 
Um, I think it's fun seeing him play, you know, like starting goalie. And um, I watch and I see him do things and I'm like, oh, he learned that from Hank. Like he learned that from Lundqvist. And it's really fun to see him play. And I hope that I want him to stay. Let's just say that, at least for now. Um, we have a lot of, um, we have a really bright future in goaltending, I think. Um, and so I think his, him sticking around wouldn't, wouldn't harm us. Um, our defense isn't where I wish it was. And I think we have some growth. <laughs> we have some, um, some, you know, oldies to weed out, I think, <laughs> that might, act- might help him perform better. Um, but overall, I've really enjoyed watching him play. Um, and it's fun because, like I said, I got to watch him play with the Rangers. And so I know a bit of the history. I know how he's grown as a player. Um, and my dad doesn't know anything about him. So hearing his takes and kind of like telling him like, oh, yeah, like this thing, this, you know, this happened with the Rangers and stuff like that um, has been has been interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. You always like seeing guys you have a soft spot for find a way. And that goalie market of like the nine guys who just float around every offseason where it's like him, Dubnik, Mike Smith, um, for a while it was Carter Hutton. That floating class of goalies who just kind of go from team to team, Semyon Varlamov, that just bounce around. Chris Drieger is going to be one this summer. And it makes for interesting things where you see occasionally the merry-go-round of goalies stops in the right place. Like Mike Smith had an actively good year for Edmonton this year. Cam Talbot had a pretty solid season for the Wild this year. I mean, he stole them game one. I, I went and looked at the heat map from game one. The expected goals models had Vegas scoring about three and a quarter, three and three, three and a third goals for the game. He didn't allow any. So that tells you that Vegas was getting the puck to dangerous areas of the ice that were more than likely to result in goals. And he he had it. I, it really is one of those things that makes hockey so unique compared to other sports is one good goalie can fuck up a good team's plan. I mean, we see it every single year come the playoffs. Can Cam Talbot do that for four out of seven? That's debatable. But in terms of just having a goalie you have confidence in is such a nice feeling. And I imagine it's a departure from what you said about Devin Dubnik being a monstrosity where he had two good years there in Minnesota and the Wilds are like, all right, this is our guy. And he never really was able to replicate that success. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, obviously I think the credit for game one goes to Cam. Like he, he did that. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's hard in the series because when you put the goalie side by side, it's really just like, you can't compare. You can't compare Cam Talbot to Marc-Andre Fleury. Like you really, really can't. Um, and so it's going to be about, can he hold up enough to get our guys in there to score like can he you know hold them off so that we get more opportunities to score um and I don't know if that is gonna I'm not sure how it's gonna play out I have hope I really do um because we have such an incredible offense this year we have the possibility to score a lot of goals if we can like get you know get in this zone for it um but it's hard when you look at 
look at Marc-Andre Fleury because he's intimidating. He's really, really good. I mean, untouchable status in my eyes. I mean, um, and so it's a little scary for sure. No, because the interesting thing is when I watched the game, I felt it was pretty even. I would say it kind of leaned Vegas in terms of controlling the game in terms of the style of game that was played. But when I went and looked back at the shot maps, the chances for and against, it was pretty even. I mean, three of the four Minnesota lines had more expected goals than Vegas. Two of the three defensive pairs. The problem for Minnesota in game one was that Suter and Spurgeon just got caved in. They really weren't able to clear the puck out of their own zone. I know you often joke about Ryan Suter being an old man and it's time to go to the retirement home, but if you can just get that from 33 35 percent of expected goals to like 40 45 10 percent increase you can be passable with two defensive pairs playing really well and two lines playing really well so the caprice of zuccarello line was their best line in game one and i'd expect that to continue because vegas is going to give you scoring opportunities because they want to create offense at that expense so like you said if talbot can hold up the forwards are going to have their chances it's just a matter of if they can actually score on those chances. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of faith in our offense. Um, I have it. I think coaching has it that we're going to create those opportunities. I mean, you put Zuccarello and Caprice off together and you're bound, you know, to there was that one uh, Caprice off shot in game one. That was, it was just so lucky that it didn't go in, you know, um, and he has a million opportunities like that. And so it's really about, are we fast enough? Are we smart enough with the puck to make, turn those chances into goals? Um, and I will say, you know, like if we can beat Marc-Andre Fleury, we've done it. So I think it's just about, can we play together enough as a unit to get there? No, that's a good point to bring up that I think is part of the playoff series, especially when you look at like Minnesota against Vegas, the Islanders against Pittsburgh, Florida against Tampa Bay. If you can get one through 12 and then one through six all pulling together, you can do some pretty special things where a less talented team can beat a more talented team because we're realistic here. We understand that Vegas has a significantly more talented team top to bottom, but Minnesota plays a style that allows them to hang around. Vegas is going to give them chances. You saw it in the Islanders and Pittsburgh in that game one where, yeah, the Penguins are a more talented team, but the Islanders all know what they need to do. And yes, it's kind of boring to watch, but they win games by playing bigger than one individual person and for minnesota if they're going to win this series like you said they are going to have to play every single person has to play within the confines of what they're supposed to be doing and maximizing the opportunities they do get because when you're playing a more talented team there are tricks you can try and shorten the game slow the game down muck it up but that wasn't game one game one was very up tempo very up and down and i'm curious to see how that shakes out over the course of a series because teams will make adjustments as the series goes on so i'm curious to see if minnesota can continue doing the team being greater than the sum of its parts yeah no i i agree um i think yeah there's there's opportunity um for 
us to kind of step up. Um, I think one thing that I've noticed, at least in game one, and I mean, I've noticed that throughout the season is they're really stepping up their um, physical play, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in ways that I haven't, I feel like aren't super characteristic of the wild in general. Um, lots of hits. And I think that's kind of, uh, it's kind of required in a game like that where, I mean, you're playing this team that is kind of has this like, they have a really big kind of intimidating um, way about them in their type, the type of game they play. So um, I, I like seeing them kind of step up and play a little bit more aggressively. I don't like to use that word, but you know, that's, <laughs> but yeah, they do. There's, there's some opportunities and I think um, we're seeing players step up in play in ways that we haven't, we didn't see throughout the season, Joel Erickson being one of them. I mean, he played phenomenally like all season. He really did. Um, was has really been such like a, a diamond in the rough this season. Um, but in that game one, he was really getting in there, you know, dominating when the puck was near him and taking those opportunities to, to, you know, to show like to prove that he belongs on the ice and that he's ready, you know, to take this series somewhere. Um, and I, I like seeing that. It's very interesting because like we said before, this is more or less the same wild team as a year or two ago. It's just guys kind of found what they were supposed to be doing within the confines of the team and the system, and it's worked for them. The two obvious ones are Fiala and Erickson Eck, who made pretty big leaps. I mean, Fiala had, I think, 40 points in 52 games. So they had a really they really found a way to maximize his talent. And it's interesting because when you look at the way the lines were for a majority of the season, Greenway, Erickson, Ekfalino, really strong controlling the puck possession numbers. The problem the Wild have had, I've noticed, is they don't really know who they want to play in the middle of Kaprizov and Zuccarello because they don't want to put Erickson there because they like putting him with Greenway because that lets them drive possession. And then they've kind of been letting the two wings drive possession on the Zuccarello-Kaprizov line. And I know they've done Victor Rask at times I know they've done Ryan Hartman at times and it's been I don't want to say a struggle to find them a center but you know Ryan Hartman doesn't have the same upside as maybe an Erickson Eckwood if you were to load up all three of your guys on one line to try and create offense and then your third line of for game one it had it as Fiala Rask and Johansson they had a hard time in game one trying to create offense and like I said, I figured the, there will be some adjustments, some juggling to try and find a way to balance out the lines a little bit more because Vegas's top six is really good. They're going to get their chances. You got to limit what you can, that kind of thing. In terms of going forward, what would you say is your biggest concern? Is it the goaltending holding up? Is it the offense being able to score enough? Or is it the defense being caved in? Which of those three is the biggest concern for you? Uh, defense a hundred percent. I mean, there is severe, I think severe problems within our defense that have been showing themselves throughout the season. And especially in game one, two, we got beat a lot. We weren't able to get the puck out of our end. Um, So, and I think it comes down to that. We just, our defense is so, we have such an interesting group of defensemen. Um, Ryan Suter, you know, for all the shit I give him about being old. I mean, he's there, he's consistent, I guess. Um, I do wish maybe we had someone 
that's not him but he he has the like one of the highest like you know time on ice and the whole team so he obviously is trustworthy enough that the coach is continuously putting him in so I respect that um I think we Jared Spurgeon is a really I think Jared Spurgeon is a really incredible player um he's small though next to some of those Vegas guys and he got pushed around a lot in game one a lot and I think it hurts his confidence and it hurts the defensive confidence when you're watching I mean one of your star players your captain get freaking tossed around like a rag doll the whole game um and that creates some issues and I think he has an opportunity now throughout the rest of the series to kind of step up and hold his own um but yeah there is a lot of anxiety around is the defense going to be able to do enough to keep the heat off of Talbot because that's what we really need here because they're going to they're going to get in our zone regardless um but can we keep the puck far enough away from the goal so that Cam Talbot doesn't have to do all the legwork so in terms of the defense, would you say the Wild are a – you mentioned Suter specifically and that Spurgeon's a little bit smaller. Do you feel like the Wild play the most efficient style with their defense in terms of do they create zone entries by skating it out of the zone, passing it out of the zone? Would you say they're slow? What would you say about the Wild is concerned – their defense is concerning to you? Is it that they have a hard time winning the puck back because they're undersized? Is it that they're just literally too slow to catch up to whoever is carrying the puck? What's kind of your – fueling your concern, I should say? Um, I think, well, our defense often gets very – flustered I I feel like they they get really compacted by the goal um and they create opportunities we I talked again at length about this during the last game chewed everyone's ear off about it um they they get really um condensed by the goal when the puck is in our zone and it allows the offense of the other team to really spread out and they can see like they look back and like they have this whole area to kind of work with the puck. Um, and we're just not fast enough at getting, when we get kind of condensed there, they're not like spreading out and um, defending the, the offense enough. Um, and it opens up opportunities for the other team to score hundred percent, especially when we get in there in those really, really like tense moments where the puck is right there. It's in the crease. Like there's always, why is there always a guy behind Cam Talbot? get out like let him do his job why are you behind him like every single time I swear my heart rate goes up like astronomically we need to be more um just smart about the way our defense is moving around in our own zone when the puck is in our zone because um they're creating opportunities for the other people to score by not spreading out enough um that's not to say that they don't have an impeccable ability to somehow get the puck out in those situations. Like they still, they come through. It's just, if we played a little bit more um, proactively instead of reactively, I think we'd have opportunities to get the puck out before it gets kind of nasty. Um, but other than that, I think we have really, a really interesting like I said before interesting mix of defenders I mean Matt Dubba is unbelievable uh, yeah. I feel like every time he goes on the ice he does stuff that's just like what what you know 
he's just so great. And so there's these gems that are in the defense that have, you know, the opportunity to really like hold it down for us. Definitely, definitely. If they can, like I said, if they can get Suter and Spurgeon to the low 40s of expected goals because they're playing against, you know, the Stone, Chandler Stevenson, and I'm assuming Pacioretty will be back for game two, that's good enough. If you can hold them to that, you give Talbot a chance, that's reasonable. In terms of the bigger picture, this season was kind of weird. They had the COVID pause in the middle of it. They kept beating Vegas in the regular season. What do you make of the Western-only division this year in terms of your experience as a Wild fan? Um, honestly, I was, I was a little shocked throughout the season playing some of the other teams in the West. First of all, I mean, obviously there was a lot of, in my, why were we even in the West division to be completely fair? I'm I'm, I'm an old lady. I do not want to be watching a game at nine o'clock at night, like the game tonight. What's that all about? Anyways, not the point though, but, um, we, I think it's interesting. I feel like we performed so it, it was so weird throughout the season how the performance like you I think you kind of mentioned they go up and down so much. Yeah. Um winning so much against Vegas was really interesting. Um and we had there was a period of time there where we were having really really like high scoring games, you know, getting up there like five, six goals a game which is super fun to watch because you're like, obviously when they're scoring, that's awesome. Um, But we still have like, there's, there was, we lost opportunities to really get to know the teams. Again, I think they play a lot of reactive hockey. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when we score early, that's when we play the best in my opinion, like when we're going into these games and we're scoring within the first 10 minutes of the first period, like they're playing better hockey throughout the whole game. Um, And we saw that quite a bit this season playing all the other teams in the division. And so I think that's like a key for them to kind of work towards in these next few games is really trying to get a goal in early on so that it boosts their morale. Again, it makes them play more proactively instead of reactively. As a fan of a team that had to play them, what was it like playing the Avalanche, what, eight times? Because the Avalanche are kind of crazy. Everybody saw them beat the shit out of the Blues on Monday night in like pretty convincing fashion. What was that like trying to rationalize your emotions against probably the best team in the league? Um, it's weird. I think I wasn't really like aware, I guess, of the type of hockey that they were playing um, when we were playing them early on in the season. And I didn't, I guess I, I don't know why I just didn't even realize early on, like this is a team that's going to be hard to beat um, until later. And there was like a lot of like, you know, people were, there's a lot of hype around these games playing the avalanche. And um, I guess we had, we beat them a couple times, but uh, it, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I feel like they're, they have a really, really, really incredible team this year. And if by 
some miracle we come out of this series winning it's going to be impossible I mean pretty much again it's like an act of God would have to happen for them to beat the avalanche so I mean yeah they're they're playing hockey like in just incredibly in ways that we can never hope to <laughs> um compete against Oh, no, I, I mean, we saw what they did to the Blues. Any team that makes Jordan Bennington act like a child is good in my book. The, the Avalanche are an okay. insanely good team. An insanely yeah. good team. You talk about McKinnon, Rantanen, um, Landeskog. They traded for Kadri a couple of years ago. He's done a nice job in their middle six. Burakovsky. They've got the probably the best defense of any team in the league in like the last five years. And they haven't even had Bo and Byram healthy most of the season. And it's kind of unfair that the wild got lumped into this division, partly because of travel, just because they're the furthest East. I think it might be St. Louis, but I'm not positive. I don't have my map in front of me, but and so just, you know, you're playing two of four or five best teams in the entire league eight times whether you want to say vegas and colorado pretty consensus in the top five teams in the entire league and minnesota held their own enough that they were kind of locked into a playoff spot pretty early because it helped that everyone else was so bad the blues kind of just were the last team with a pulse that wasn't one of the teams from california that was stinking up the joint so I mean, this division was kind of weird where the Wild came out so hot that one stretch of the season where it was like, are the Wild going to win the West division? They came back down to earth, but it was a very weird division. And like you said, if you get through Vegas alone, that's a good season for the Wild. Even if they go into round two and were to play the Avalanche and they lose in five games, you beat a team better than you in the first round and no one really had any expectations for you coming into the season. I think you could say that even though it kind of seemed like the Wild were a team without a direction coming into this season, I feel like you have your direction now. Sure, you need to figure out the Zach Parisi situation. You got to figure out what Ryan Suter's going to be at this late stage of his career. But it seems like the Wild actually have a direction, and they are exciting, and they are fun, and they're not just another team. You're No, you're so right. And I was actually just talking about this with my cousin last night. Um, we have such a huge future um, with some of our young players and players like uh, Marco Rossi that hasn't even been able to hit the ice with us yet. And he's going to be, I mean, he's going to change the game, I think, um, when he's able to finally play with us. Um, but yeah, you said figuring out the Zach Parisi situation, I think is um, essential for this team um, coming out of this season. Uh, obviously, healthy scratched game one is not a good look for who is supposed to be our, you know, he's the Minnesota wild. Like he is, when you think of the wild, you think of Zach crazy. Um, and it, and especially to give Victor Rask more ice time. I think that I would be offended if I was him. I mean, Victor yeah. Rask is my, I got my own issues with Victor Rask, but like he, I think there's, yeah, if we, we need to get rid of him. That's really the thing. Um, and I've been saying this for years that Zach Parisi is not all that he's talked up to be. Um, and so I think if we, moving forward, having this kind of direction of really putting faith in the 
that we have these incredible these players and some of like we said these are players that have been on our team but we're figuring out how to put them together in ways that is creating really fun hockey really dynamic hockey and as long as we don't have that we those weird hiccups like Zach Crazy, like Brian Suter um we have the op- opportunity to play even better in the future do you feel like the team is doing a better job with the new GM of identifying talent and putting it in positions to succeed in a way that it might not have under the old regime, because that's probably like the single biggest factor of if young players do well is if they're put in a position to succeed, it has nothing to do with their talent, their personality. It's just are our expectations of them reasonable and can we do, they do what we want them to do. Do you feel like the wild have kind of, I don't want to say turn the corner on that, but do you feel like it's definitely improved? Yeah, I think they're figuring out how to how to use our young players a lot more than they ever have. Um, I, there's a lot of opportunity in the players that we've drafted recently. Players, you know, that um, if we use them correctly, if they're given the opportunities, um, they're going to turn into really awesome players for the franchise. Um, and I definitely think they've gotten a lot better at that, in, especially in recent years. Do you think that the Wild have done a good job of maximizing the situation they do have because they are a smaller market team? They don't have the financial resources of some of the other teams in the league. Do you feel like at least in the last few years that the team is at least doing the best it can as a middle market team in a smaller market that won't really be able to convince the marquee free agents to come there unless they have like the pre-existing ties like a Zach Parisi, like a Ryan Suter. Yeah. Um, I think they're, yeah, they're really capitalizing off of the, I guess, I don't even know how to say it, less known players. Um, and go, find, yeah. like I said, finding those, finding those diamonds in the rough. I think they've been really, really good at that. And, um as an organization i think they've always been partial to um holding on to like the almost like the sentimental value of players um we saw that we've seen that in the past um and just keeping them around because they've been around for so long and i think that's why players like zach crazy and ryan sudor are still playing for us i mean obviously in his heyday zach crazy was incredible i mean he doesn't you don't get that kind of notoriety if you're not a good player at some point um, but I definitely think that even when you're looking at his own career, I think he would have done well had he maybe three years ago left the team. I think he would have had more opportunities to have better seasons. I know he had an injury, his ACL, I think, or something a few last season, two seasons ago. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, there's they're getting a lot better at using um those less known players and making them the stars of the show. It's an interesting challenge for those smaller teams because you have that entire class of teams that play in the non-traditional. I I mean, it sounds weird saying Minnesota is a non-traditional hockey market, but like I said, during the first part, they didn't have a hockey team for like 10 years because the North Stars moved to Dallas. The smaller market teams, whether you want to talk about Minnesota, Columbus, 
the Panthers, the Hurricanes, that middle class of teams that when the opportunity is right, they will spend to the salary cap. They're willing to commit to free agents if they're confident in them. But they have obvious limitations. It's not the, hey, come live in Montreal, come live in New York, come live in Toronto, come live in L.A., come live in Miami, that some of the other teams have the built-in advantages. I mean, I forget what who wrote it, but it was in The Athletic a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about free agency and hockey, and one of the executives said, these guys don't give a shit about hockey. They want to go after Instagram models. They want to live in a flashy penthouse. They want to drive a nice car. These are man children. They want expensive things, and they want to feel cool. Where they go is part of that. And I think Minneapolis is a nice city. It does not have the same appeal of the bigger markets in hockey. Oh, no, you are so, so on with that. Um, Especially (laughs) because, I mean, they're not playing in Minneapolis. They're playing in St. Paul. And St. Mm -hmm. Paul is, I mean, historic, sure. But um, where the XL is located, it's not, you know, it's no Madison Square Garden, you know, it's not, it, it, it's, it's an awesome arena. It's a pillar in the community for sure. But again, like you said, these are young athletes. They're not looking for, to play in a team that is all about community, like the way the wild is. Um, and so it, it's interesting who we see staying with the team and who ends up leaving because they get so involved. And I think that's a huge part of all Minnesota sports is being involved in the community. And that's um, because Minnesota sports and entertainment really has built that environment here. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right in saying that those hot shots like aren't coming, aren't excited, you know, to be like, yeah, let's go freaking play in St. Paul, you know, like let's go to the twin cities. A like, let's get it. No, nobody wants to come here. It's, I mean, it's but it's like going to columbus like who the hell wants to go to fucking columbus not even nobody okay not even the players that play there um so yeah there that is definitely factors into to the vibes i guess so the the, tying into this conversation the question the obvious question after that is how do you as a fan deal with the fact that your team is never going to be able to go balls to the walls for some of these more expensive more some of the more flashy players in free agency that you kind of feel like you have a defined ceiling because of the limitations of your city like you come into the season thinking we can make the playoffs win a round or two whereas i don't know if the wild can ever come into a season with the expectations of a leafs of a bruins of a rangers of a team that we spent all this money we have all these guys we we need to win at least to the conference finals do you feel like how do you taper your emotions in dealing with the the limitations of what the wild are as a hockey team um not to get sentimental about it i guess but i think a lot of it is about like i said it's it's part of the community it really is um the wild do such incredible work in the community here that it it makes you feel like they're like an extended part of your family. Like it really does. And that's, and that's not just with, um, with hockey, that's with all Minnesota sports. I mean, the Vikings losing Kyle Rudolph, it literally feels like a member of your family is like moving away. Like it. So I think in my, I mean, I'm not one of those crazy, like I'm not all about winning and 
when it comes down to it. Um, I'm, I'm an elementary school teacher. I'm not all about winning. All right. I was, I would not be doing this as a job. Um, so I, I think that you look at it more as this, like this, every season is just another opportunity for people to come together. Um, and win or lose, I think you get, you gain something from that. Um, yeah, sometimes it's disappointing when you're, you're hearing these other teams getting these huge players. Um, and there's a lot of excitement, a lot of hype around these other teams. And you don't ever see that with us, but we also have something that those teams don't have. And mm -hmm. so it's like, you give the, you give this I, big idea of like, oh, they're going to win it all um, up to have this almost like this more intimate experience um, with the team. That was a really insightful, like well thought out in-depth answer. <laughs> like I was expecting you to be like, I mean, I like them. They make me happy. They're part of the community. They do good charity work, that kind of thing. That was a really insightful answer. And that that's something that kind of gets lost on a lot of the sports talk monstrosity that exists now is, you know, yes, winning is important. Yes, that's the reason people want to do these things. You know, you get in sports to win, that kind of thing. But they are people, too. They do have causes they care about. So it, it, that was really that was a really good answer. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the season, they still get paid. So yeah. I think for them, I, we see it quite a bit here in Minnesota, these players really doing the footwork um, and being really involved in, it's interesting, you know, you're used to, if you're fans of different teams from other places, you're used to seeing these guys leave in the summer. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you see uh, all the foreigners leave and they're going back to Sweden for the summer, they're going, you know, they're going back to where they come from to spend their summers, you know, at home. Um, and a lot of the times these, especially the wild, these guys stick around and they're in the community in the summer. And I think that says a lot about what it means to be part of the team. Um, it's more than just, I'm coming here to be a hotshot hockey player. They know, I think they know that coming in that that's not what they're looking for um, or what they're going to get out of this experience. Uh, and I, I, I think it bodes well to the way that other teams look at our team. Um, even if they're not like, you know, these guys are the best, you know, there's a lot of respect there. And I think that that shines through in their, in their game. Very interesting team. It, like I said, I've said more than once, it's kind of weird that the wild are fun and good now, but it's real. They are a it's very true. entertaining team to watch. Yeah, I, I, I know what's his face. Dom Lestukin at The Athletic has kind of made that his bit. The whole, the wild are fun and good. I'm the biggest Minnesota wild fan in the world now. It, it, it is funny and it's weird. And it's a departure from what we've seen in recent years where they've always been decent, but never really had that one guy who could make every single person around him. And like you said, Every time Kaprizov is on the ice, where you're just waiting to see what he does next, because anytime he has the puck on his stick, some crazy shit could happen at any given moment, and that's mm -hmm. why we watch. That's part of why we watch sports is you want to see something you've never seen before, and Kaprizov is doing that. 
pretty often and it's very cool to see that yeah it's good for the sport that you know the wild finally have a guy and like you mentioned marco rossi who dealt with covid a really bad case of covid if he's able to go you put him in there you have him in the, you put him with caprizov you still have zuccarello you have dumba you have spurgeon you've got all these names you got all these faces it's good for the the more good teams there are the better it is for the sport overall yeah no, definitely. And and I think it, it is really awesome when they're fun and good. To, like, yes. it's really, it's great to watch that way. You know, it's better than when they're not fun and bad. Um, <laughs> and so we, that, it's awesome. And it, I think here, having a fun and good season really is better than winning. Um, I mean, obviously winning is winning, you know, it's great. But being able to come out of the season and be like, man, I love that. Like, I loved watching them. It was great. Not coming out feeling defeated like sometimes they've had in the past when they don't even, like, make it to the playoffs or they make it to round one, but they choke or whatever happens. Um, and so they might not bring the cup home this year, next year, the year after that, maybe five years. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But we're lucky in the fact that, like you said earlier, we breed a lot of hockey players. And so no matter what happens, a lot of the time, there's some guy from Minnesota that brings it back. We get TJ Oshie, you know, he brings it back for us. We, we got tons of Minnesota guys that get to have their name on the cup. You know, hey, maybe this year, the way the Hurricanes are playing, who knows, maybe we get a Brady Shea name on the cup. He brings it back home to Lakeville. Like, I mean, not that I'm biased or anything, but um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's fun because it, it's part of the, like, hockey's part of the culture here. So, yeah, it, it's good when we have the opportunity to play good, even if we're not playing to win. The last question I have for you, the question I've asked every single guest since the playoffs started, if you can have any playoff series for pure entertainment reasons, what series would it be and why? We've gotten every type of answer in the book, the very straightforward, I just want to get to Leafs Habs, the I want to see Vegas play Colorado, I want to see Colorado play Carolina. What series would you like to see? It could be in the cup final where it's two teams from divisions that won't play until they get there. It could be the second round where you could say something like, yeah, Vegas, Colorado. What series would you like to see and why? Um, I'm going to go ahead with what I'm sure everyone would guess that I would say. I would love to see a like avalanche canes final. I yes. think that would be so fun. Um, again, I have a bias, but like, I would love to see it. I think it would be really fun hockey. It's going to keep everyone on their toes. So if I see any final coming to fruition, that's the one that I would hope for. That's the one I, I want to see Vegas, Colorado in round two. Like that's the one I want the most, but that's the cup final I want is Colorado versus Carolina because both of those teams play such an exciting style of hockey and they play it differently is Carolina is very, we're going to dump the puck into the corner. We're going to grind you into a pulp. Our defensemen are all very good. They can all handle the puck. You can't get around us in transition. Our rookie baby goalie is pretty good. And then you have Colorado who's like, yeah, our defensemen are just going to skate circles around you. And if you get the puck from them, good luck. So I really right. would like to see that. That would be a lot of fun. I agree. It would be a great game for sure. I would love to watch that. 
Um, I think that's just about everything. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope you're enjoying your week off. I totally am. I'm having a blast. You got to come talk about the wild. You had a good day. I sure did. And I get to go watch some more playoff hockey tonight. Oh, yes. Cannot wait. I will be back tomorrow. My boss, Ethan, from Gotham will be on to talk about the Islanders and their series against the Penguins. We'll have a fresh game from Tuesday night to talk about. I hope to see you guys then.